Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. Today, we have the opportunity to hear from the man, the myth, the legend, Kirk Goodman. And Kirk is bringing us a message on rest. One thing I took out of this was that we often find rest to be work. And uh, he sums it up nicely in four very great points. So with that, let's turn it over to Kirk right now. I want to begin this morning with a word of gratitude and thanks. I am so thankful for the Pathway Church family, for all of the love and care, for the support and the prayer that has been such an incredible source of strength and encouragement and comfort to us in these days. You know, as we have uh, found ourselves in this uh, grief journey, uh, mourning the loss of Linda, one of the things that's become acutely apparent to me is that we're not alone. fact is, we're not the only people that have really uh, been hit with and experienced the loss of a a loved one, the the death of a friend, the loss of an acquaintance. And at this particular time, with all of the restrictions that COVID has put on us uh, concerning uh, things like a service of celebration and funerals and how limited we are, I'm so highly aware of, of how difficult that has been in terms of, of our grief journey. So I want you to know that that as you have been praying for us and caring for us and... and uh, really lifting us up in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, I too, uh, I'm thinking about the number of people in the Pathway Church family that that are in a similar situation and find themselves grieving and and mourning during this particular time. It's about a month ago that I spoke with Pastor Nathan. Uh, We were both masked and following social distancing. It was just a, a great visit that we had. He took me on a tour of the new facility and was sharing with me the dreams and the goals and the visions uh, of what that place is, is going to look like and, and how that's uh, all going to come together in the days and weeks, months and years ahead. He also shared with me about uh, the sabbatical that he now uh, is, uh, is on and is underway for him. And As Pastor Nate shared with me about uh, what it was he was hoping to experience and, and get out of his, his time away, um, I really heard four, four categories or four characteristics of, of things that he was really hoping to experience and engage with. The first is physical rest. Uh, and then spiritual renewal. I heard that he was longing for uh, a sense and an experience of what I would call ministry recalibration. A time to evaluate and reevaluate. And relational rejuvenation. There's no question that as we take time away, and it is so necessary uh, for us as leaders to do that. Um, my goodness, I, I just have to believe that if you're wondering about how, how on earth do I pray for my pastor uh, who's who's just uh, uh, left to go away on a sabbatical and is going to be away for three months and is really rolling up his sleeves with God and, and, and looking for, for growth and, and, and God's voice in these things. How do I, how do I pray for him? And, and I know for me in these days, I'm going to be praying 
into his life these four things physical rest and spiritual renewal ministry recalibration and relational rejuvenation and so i wanted to take and and use that as a little bit of a springboard and and talk about rest i wanted us to to take a look this morning at, at what it is to to rest in god perhaps it's a, a phrase that uh, you're all too familiar with the, you're, you've heard it perhaps hundreds of times before. And, and as I wrote it down on, on a piece of paper, and as I began to work through uh, what, this, what our time could look like this morning, um, I really had to be honest with myself and, and ask some key questions like, what does it really mean to rest in God? What does it look like to rest in God? How or, or where do I even start to try to understand and, and get my head and my heart wrapped around this phrase, to rest in God? The fact of the matter is, is that the word, well, the word rest alone, the word rest by itself, is a very difficult word to understand. The word rest is, is extremely misunderstood, I, I, I've, I've come to find out. Now, generally, when we use the word rest, it's associated with with sleep primarily. Uh, <clears throat> it's the same word that's used when people talk about having a nap or, or shutting down or turning the, the world out and the lights off. I've also discovered that people are afraid of, of rest. And by whatever definition we want to use, um, the truth of the matter is, is that while rest encompasses sleep, and while, while it includes naps, you'll be, you'll be happy to know, um, that's not the sum total of what rest is. I came across a couple helpful definitions. One is to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself. And I love this, recover strength. I would add, and, and I have in, in parentheses, Recover strength in all of our tanks. The physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tank. I ask you this morning, when you think of those four tanks that exist within you, what, what number is your gauge uh, pointing to? What, when you think of the needle on that, <laughs> you know, the needles on... The, the idiot lights on our, our dash, so to speak. What, what number would you circle when you think about your, your physical tank right now? The second definition is to be placed or, or supported so as to stay in a specified position. Be placed or supported so as to stay in a, a specified position. So, for instance, my, my hands and my arms are resting on this table. It tells me that rest is a posture. That, that what rest is, is it's a place where, for instance, I find myself. So, to, to come back to this phrase that, that I put out in front of us, is rest in God. There, there has to be something there that reflects this idea that resting in God means it has to represent um, me taking a step towards and filling the space and the place 
where God is. Probably one of those common passages of Scripture. One of the most loved and well-used chapters in all of the Scripture is Psalm 23. And within these six incredible verses, I think there is some wonderful wisdom with respect to unpacking and helping us to understand what it is and what it looks like to rest in God. David begins in verse 1. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing that I need. I have everything that I want. The uh, shepherd is what's used as a metaphor to describe God. And and, and as David describes God or or uses the, the shepherd as a, as a metaphor to describe God, I have to believe that, in part, anyway, the idea is, is that God is the one who not only has created all things and put everything into place, but, but everything belongs to Him. Everything comes from Him. Everything is distributed by Him. And that's, in part, why David says that, that there's nothing that the sheep need Because the shepherd has provided everything for them. And in like manner, uh, as we even make this first and initial connection, what it means to rest in God, we we can take our place alongside of Him or in His presence. If, If for no other reason, He is the one that we, we can depend on because He's provided everything for us to do that. <laughs> the reality is, is that but for some of us it takes a long time to take that step towards Him, to depend upon Him, to trust Him. But, but David in an incredible way lays out this idea that, oh no, oh no, God can be depended upon. God is the one who can provide all that we need. Can we ever wear ourselves out by pursuing the things that we want and that we need? We can grow tired doing that. And while I think it's true that most of us would believe that that God is sovereign, and and that's a fancy word that means He's in control, uh, I know for myself it's so easy to fall back into this posture of living like I'm the one that's in control, and and He's not. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He he leads me beside quiet waters. It's in these few words that that David presents the first bucket that I've already referred to. The bucket with the word physical on it. And as David um, says that, that God has made him to lay down in a green pasture, I imagine him there with the tall grass all around him and and it's in that it's in that position it's it's in that posture that his senses are completely open to to what he can see and what he can hear smell and even taste perhaps this this posture of of being being laid down looking upwards 
is is a beautiful picture. Some a person some time ago said to me, "Sometimes we have to be laying down to look up. Sometimes we have to be laying down in that posture to begin to uh, connect." Uh, as crazy as that might sound, with who God is, and 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 I would say even to, to hear His voice, it's it's that hard stop that sometimes we have to make to begin to fill up the physical tank. I want to ask you a question. When it comes to filling the physical tank, it's about answering the question: What do you love to do? As I as I've engaged with with uh, people over the last number of weeks talking about and talking through this. Uh, one of the things that I'm amazed about is if I ask, as I ask the question, what do you love to do? My goodness, people just spark right up. And <laughs> it turns out that uh, things like riding a bike and, and swimming and, and, and all these activities are things that bring smiles to people's faces. But what I'm discovering is it's something they haven't done in a long time. They've, they've really cease to do the things that they love and the cost is is that the the energy level has significantly shrunk in this tank of our physicalness i believe that if we change with a change of scenery comes a change in our lives maybe it is laying down going for a walk, riding a bike, swimming, doing something that we love to help begin to restore that healthiness in our, in our physical tank. David goes on, he says, He restores my soul, He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He restores my soul. As I read that, I thought... Why on earth does my soul need to be restored? And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Boy, is it ever easy. Is it ever easy for the heart and soul to grow hard? To grow a callus over it? You know, life, the things that happen in life can contribute to a callus over the heart and the soul. Why does the soul need to be restored? Because it is just far too easy and far too possible for us to, to distance ourselves, distance our souls and our hearts from our world. Could be neglect, could be loss. A numbness sets in. And that work of restoring the soul, that work of, of, of having God take and breathe life into us again. I can't tell you how many folks that, I, that I've talked to who have shared with me that you know they need, they need a rejuvenation in, in their souls and in their hearts. Um, and and I'm, what, I'm, what I'm amazed with is the connection between a move towards filling the physical tank and how that contributes to, to this particular tank, the soul, the soul tank. If, you, if you're going to get active and help, help to increase uh, uh, the, the energy and the healthiness in the physical tank, I believe in part it's, it's about what we listen to 
that you love that helps to strengthen the soul tank. You know, we, we restore, when we restore your soul, you can change your life. David goes on to say, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's an interesting verse because, you know, when we slow it right down and walk through it, there's, there's a couple things that do stand out uh, that, that's not necessarily picked up at a real quick reading. Um, David uses that phrase, even though I walk. You know, that's what life is, isn't it? Life is one step at a time. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, one of the, one of the things that, I, that suffering has taught me is that <laughs> I, we never really know how long of a walk that is. I mean, we would hope that it would only be five or six steps. But sometimes it's five or six years. Sometimes it's 50 or 60 years. And the, the promise here, the, well, in fact, the posture that's here, is one where even though suffering comes into our lives, um, the, the valley of the, the shadow of death, what does that look like practically? Well, I wrote a few things down. Uh, the valley of the shadow of death can be when our health goes south. It can be a, the loss of a job, a broken relationship, the loss of a loved one. What about, as a parent, what about a son or a daughter that we haven't talked to in years? Maybe we don't even know where they are. Maybe you're a son or a daughter and you haven't talked to your parents in years. What about a couple struggling with infertility? Maybe as you listen this morning, you think about the incredible financial loss that you've experienced recently. That's, that's what it looks like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death on this side of heaven. And yet, with, with all of these things, and my goodness, a, a, a plethora more that exist that I haven't mentioned, David declares that there's no need to fear these things. We know that fear will eat our lunch. We know that we know we know the, the nasty work that fear can do in our lives. There's no need to fear these things because they don't have to consume us. They don't have to destroy us. We don't we don't have to die in the valley of the shadow of death. The reality is is that while it's a choice that we make, we can choose to believe that David uses this illustration, again this metaphor, the rod and the staff, they comfort me. You realize that in the valley of the shadow of death, in the, in the deepest of pain, one of the things that suffering has taught me is that suffering has not been the thing that has proven that God is absent from us. But somehow suffering has taught me that God is incredibly present. And even though 
I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't have to consume. It doesn't have to destroy me. In fact, by resting in God, some, in some crazy way I'm strengthened. I even find some encouragement. David goes on, says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows because of you. What, a, what an incredible picture. Uh, picture of one having oil poured over their head and, and, and collecting, running down the beard, collecting in a, in a cup. It's just a, it's just a, a picture of, of outpouring, of blessing, which, which really does communicate and reflect something, and it's this. This verse, verse 5, is all about attitude. It's all about an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving and grace and hope and love. It's about making a choice to be joyful in the midst of suffering and difficulty. David says, in the presence of my enemies. Gotta believe that in the midst of the struggles and the difficulty and the stress and even the overwhelmment that David was was facing, He found some way, he found some shape and form to be thankful and and to express gratitude and thanks. My cup overflows. David was a guy who went through life and said, my cup is not half empty, it's half full. Boy, I'll tell you, especially in, in difficult times, well, in the times where the valley of the shadow of death is what we're walking to, to be able to look at those sorts of times and, and, and that kind of suffering in our lives and, and to be able to say that the cup is half full. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, one of the things that Linda said often was, it could be worse. <laughs> so I, I would hear her say that and think, oh my goodness, <laughs> I have no idea how it could get any worse. Uh, but she was right. Um, how thankful I am to have a front row seat to somebody who suffered greatly and whose attitude and whose heart and whose soul declared uh, the, the cup is still half regardless of what's happening. You know, you change your perspective. You change your attitude. You can change your life. And then the, the, the crescendo, the, the wrap up in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy and love will follow me around all the days of my life. And David's determined. He says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. What an incredible picture of, of his, his entry into the eternal presence of God. What, what a phenomenal picture of the entire circle of life. How really from birth to death, David is declaring the goodness of God, the love of God, will follow me around (laughs) like a little puppy through my entire life. And as I step across, as as is commonly said, as I step across the Jordan into the incredible presence of our great God. I believe that we change 
when we change who and what we trust in, we can change our entire lives. I've asked the question, what does it mean to rest in God? What it means to rest in God is to trust Him. Trust Him with our entire lives. Trust Him as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Trust Him when we have to dig down deep to find something to to be thankful for in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of struggle. One of the things that... uh, I really am thankful for is to have a front row seat. Uh, you know, as I as I stand here and rest on this table and, and share this this morning, I, I'm so so aware of of the grief journey that I'm in the midst of, and and I bring that to this place and and this space this morning. And you know, as I do, I can't help but think of the privilege that I had to have a front row seat to see somebody model for me what it was to rest in God, what it was to trust in Him. And, you know, what's really powerful is that it, I got a, and I got to see and experience this. As Linda took her last breath, what was being played in the background was, was the uh, song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And, and as all of this was going on in her hospital room, what was an incredible comfort was the song, that she would have learned as a little girl at her mother's knee, Jesus loves me, this I know, was the same song that was being played in the room where she took and took her step into the house of the Lord where she will be forever. And, you know, the reason that the reason I, I wanted to take and, and stumble around here this morning, talk about what it is to rest in God and, and trust Him and change, change our, our heart and our, our soul and our attitudes so, so that our lives may change and, and, and come more in, in line with our great God and our great Savior. It's because it really does have a profound impact and influence on something. And it's this. I saw firsthand the truth and the reality that we die the way we live. And I'm the first one to say, probably not, probably not for everybody. But I'm so thankful to have witnessed the example that Linda gave me, that when we rest in God, when we trust in Him, that really does have a huge impact and have a huge influence on this thing that we dread, don't look forward to, would want to put off, selfishly would want to put off for another 15 or 20 years. But when she took her last breath, she did so in a full expression of what it is to trust in Him and to rest in Him. I want to invite you to something this morning. If you've trusted in just about everything except God, 
if you've rested in just about everything except God, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to take a step towards finding out who he is, what all the hoopla is all about, and whether it's talking to a friend, uh, perhaps it's about reading the scripture, um, there's probably a thousand ways or more to uh, really get a bead on, on who Jesus is and uh, what he's all about and how he, he really is. Um, the one who helps us to live this, this crazy life in this place and then gives us hope that, that this isn't all there is, that there is really more than that. So uh, would you take, take me up on that? And uh, if you have no idea who Jesus is, never heard about him, uh, or maybe you've stepped away, stepped aside, maybe the, old, maybe the heart has really grown hard and callous, uh, would you take a step towards him uh, today and trust him? You, you can trust him implicitly with your life. Thank you, Kirk, for that awe-inspiring message on rest. And thank you for listening. Make sure you check out us on social media. Just type in Pathway Church PTBO. And I'm sure all those amazing sites will show up just for you. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon.